Broncos. This is your host, Daniel Westine, with my co-host, Dylan Miles. We are back again after another Broncos loss. We're here to talk about Broncos imploding, Fangio admitting to bad coaching, Teddy couldn't walk podium, but somehow ends up playing an entire game. The Browns have three players that average six-plus yards per carry, even though they don't have their top two running backs. Devontae Williams only gets four carries and six catches, even though, again, he averages over five yards. And we have your Washington football team preview coming up. So please stick around. Got all kinds of stuff for you. As usual, we're going to go ahead and preview the final game. And just like last week, I try to give you the sunshines and rainbows with Dylan first. But again, I don't know how many we're going to squeeze out of him this week. None! (laughs) We ain't got none for you. Better watch that game again. Oh my God, man. This get that game was the most embarrassing thing I have ever seen put on national television. Turned off at halftime. I wouldn't play Dota. <laughs> I can't blame you, brother. I, I'm the football junkie, so of course I stayed through the entirety of the pain. Oh, I'm a I'm a junkie. I just oh. <laughs> oh. they ain't giving me the good stuff. So angry he can't control his language. Just <laughs> <laughs> talking like a caveman right now. Right. But Dylan, go ahead and give us what you got on this implosion of a game for Thursday night. Here's my my positive takeaway, and it's not even that positive of takeaways. Fangio finally admitting to bad coaching, right? And it should have been admitted at least three weeks ago, four, three, four weeks ago. At least. And, you know, hopefully that means Shermer gets his crap together because just every series you can't go out there, run, run, pass, and then punt it off fourth and short. You got to find something new because that rhythm hasn't worked the entire season. You can't go out there, run, run, pass, and then punt on fourth and short every time you go out there for a drive and then somehow maybe able to get a a short pass over the middle on a third and seven that could and the receiver makes it a first down. You got to find some rhythm on the offense side, on the defensive side of the ball has imploded as well. You know, Vaughn going out with that injury did not help at all. No, of course it's not going to help. Yeah, go. That's not going to help. But even though they weren't getting much done, but I mean that's that should be more about your pass rush than anything. You shouldn't yeah. be letting D. Ernest Johnson. Can anybody hear? Third string running back. Can anybody here tell me what college the man went to? No, you can't. It's University of South Florida. Can you tell me where the University of South Florida is? No, I can't tell you either. All I know is South Florida. <laughs> exactly. The man was undrafted. He's 5'10", 208 pounds. It's such a good story, though, but not again, But doing it against us makes it worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great story to see, you know, the, the kid from the small school. and Asking to play in the AAF, not making yeah. it in. Right, and then he comes out here and has 140 yards against what is supposed to be the fourth best defense in the league. Like, and, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I have poured over the tape. I have watched the All-22. I have racked my brain to try and figure out what it is that this team is lacking, what what it is that has made it so bad. Like, I understand when you lose the starters, you lose your two inside linebackers, you lose your star pass rusher, you lose one of your star wide receivers, things are going, are going to change. You're not going to be as good. But to go from being what everybody thought was a contender to an absolute just joke of a franchise that can't even beat coachless or quarterbackless teams in consecutive weeks. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that Fangio was actually able to admit that it started with him and that it was fundamentals and that it was bad coaching, but I am still on the fence of whether or not that is actually endearing or damning. You know, that it, it's a bit of both. If you look at it the right way, it's a bit of both. It's endearing and it's damning because on the one side, you're like, okay, he he knows that he's messed up. He admitted it and he's going to try and fix it. But the damning side is, is if you admit that, that's going to make you look weaker and is will it cause more problems? Right. And I mean, how does that instill confidence in your, in your team? To and believe it should you're... instill some, but it's going to mostly – not going to instill confidence in the team they're gonna they're gonna lose confidence more than anything 
Yeah, most definitely. I'm a player and my coach goes out and says, yeah, we're bad coaches. How does that make me believe that you're going to somehow be a good coach? Oh, God, I could have used that in high school baseball. (laughs) I hear you, dude. It's just just insane to me that this team that – and Fangio said – before the season, before training camp started, that he's a fundamentals coach and that the fundamentals still matter, and that if they can just get the fundamentals together, that they will be a, a contending team. And you know, the fundamentals showed in one week, and I'll tell you which week it was week one against the Giants. Yeah, and then had, it didn't show back up. Yeah, they had a year to prepare for that game. Yeah, you know, I you can't have a year to prepare for every game. That is, I can honestly agree. That's the one game that they might have outcoached the other sideline, and we're talking about the next two games were against the Jaguars and the Jets, and so the only reason they won those games was because they were that much, that far superior when it came to talent. And yeah, and then you had also two head coaches who aren't that great in the Jets and the and the Jags and the Giants, or excuse me, Jets, Jags and Jets with Urban Meyer, who is a rookie NFL coach who and if he said it to Fangio, it's like playing Alabama every week. Yeah. You're not going to be playing Wake Forest every damn week in the NFL. You're playing against the best of the best. That was an ignorant statement ever. Oh, that's, like, oh geez, that was just so funny. I'm like, okay, dude, they just told you, I mean, you just admitted that the NFL is nothing like the college game. And then you say, that every week you're playing a like a, a high quality college team. And that's why I that's why I get why Nick Saban won't come back to the NFL. Right? It's like he figured it out too. He's like, oh man, I can't it's... just go out and get the best players nope. and just beat people because I have far superior talent. You know, and that shows with like head coach if you're a head coach in the NFL and you're successful, and that means you've done everything right. I mean, look at it. I'm going to bring up a, a, a well-known example that Broncos country knows well with Mike Shanahan. He tur- Look at what he did with that Super Bowl 32 team. One starter on – there was one starter on the field that was the first-round draft pick, and that was Elway. Yeah. The rest were either undrafted or low draft picks. Yeah, definitely. Shanahan was the king of the middle rounds. Middle and late rounds, he was the king of. Now, when it came to picking the first-round picks, and the, it's a lot like Belichick. Now that, now that you make me think about it, Belichick think, hasn't found a great first round pick in forever. Exactly. And Shannon, and I never really thought about this before, but yes, you're hundred percent correct. Those first and second round picks always bomb. But for some reason, when that third, fourth, fifth round came around, all of a sudden he's a genius. It's <laughs> something about him. I don't know. You know, like he found Wes Welker. Yeah. And Wes Welker, like Wes Welker, Welker wasn't drafted by the Patriots. He was no. a free agent. Wasn't undrafted because he was drafted to the Dolphins. Yeah, they actually picked him up. They, they the Wes Welker issue was actually the reason poison pills were removed from restricted free agents. Yep. Like they were the last one to be able to put in a poison pill that didn't allow the team that had the player to keep them. So, like, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it does bring up a little bit of history. Is that that was the last restricted free agent that had a poison pill in his contract. Because he was with the Dolphins. The Dolphins signed him to a, an offer sheet, but the the Patriots signed him to an offer sheet that the Dolphins couldn't match with the poison pill. And and just to think about how nowadays, how many players would be leaving teams right. with, with that same, like with that old fundamental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would happen constantly. But now you see when they made that change, all of a sudden these restricted free agents don't move. Unless you, unless they do what like the Broncos did last year and rescind the restricted free agent tender on Philip Lindsay and let them walk that way. Yeah, and it's the crazy thing is is if if Angie was as competent as a coach as everybody thought he was going to be this year, the team would be turned around. And I mean, what I think the the takeaway from the front office, I'm not even going to say coaching staff because it's just an abomination. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's from the top down. Yeah, it with with. George Payton is the only guy in that front office that I've seen shine this season. And during the offseason, you know, he brought in those picks and those pick, those people that he brought in have been shining. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, and I was actually just talking about this with my brother-in-law over at the house uh, about maybe an hour ago or so is, is talking about that. And just like, just like, just, I don't know, man. I, 
this whole front office just drives me nuts. It's like George Payton is definitely, I definitely think he was the right choice. And I think that he is the only person from the front office, from the strength and conditioning staff, all the way down to the coaching staff, I would keep. And that's, and it's going to come to show is true colors are going to be shown when the team's going to get sold this next off season, this upcoming off season, right? And that's going to happen this off season. And when this off season, the team gets sold, you're going to see that new, whoever the new owner comes in, whether it's Bezos or whoever buys the team and ownership group buys it, you'll see it come in and it's going to show that this man's going to come in and wipe everybody and accept Peyton. In my opinion, he's going to bring in who he wants to run this team in this front office He's going to decide who he wants to keep, which I will assume it's not going to be that many people. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why he would keep anybody. Yeah. None of these people are his guys. No, no player outside of the the draft picks from this past draft and the fr- the few free agents he signed. Nobody on this roster or front office are his guys. Yep. So and... I 100 agree that he's going to go a different direction, and I just think that not enough was made about Fangio going from the booth to the sideline. Yeah, and that was a huge deal. Like, if you were allowed – well, I think there's a rule that a head coach could be in the booth if he wanted to. They can. Yes, he was yeah. actually – he was at, they, there was a big thing about that when he first came in. It's like, can he coach from up high? And he, he was like, yes, by all legality, I can, because Peyton did it when he got his leg broken. He was <laughs> coaching from the booth. And so that's when everybody found out. And he was like, yeah, I could, but a head coach needs to be on the sideline. So I honestly believe that if he would have just got over his little pride thing and went back up to the booth, this defense would not be as discombobulated as it is. Because seeing the field from like five stories up, essentially, where they sit is a whole different ball game. Dude, that is my favorite spots to sit. Every time I go, I've gone to a Rockets game, except one time, I've sit up in the third section, 50-yard line. Yeah, I mean, you can see the entire field in front of you. Yeah, and it's you so great. Back and forth. Yeah, so uh, you can see everything unfolding in front of you. And that's where he, a lot of his adjustments came. And, you know, so he'd be sitting up on high, reading in his play, and then he would be able to see the offense line up and see who's on the field, what personnel's there, how are they lined up, what what formation are they in, etc. And so he can make adjustments on the fly. On field level, you can't see all of those things. Mm-mm. So he might miss that the running back lined up out wide. And or- that, that's what it comes to show. A head coach will always be on the sideline. Then you have the coordinators up in the booth like they are. Mm-hmm. When those coordinators are up in the booth, they're supposed to see the field and tell you. And from what I, what we've seen so far, it's it shows that they're not seeing the right thing in the booth. Those coordinators are. Yeah, it seems like Ed Donatel is not not feeding. I don't know if he's not feeding the right information or he can't feed the right information or what. It Same is. thing with Shermer. Yeah, it was Shermer. That's on his own. Like he yeah. has full autonomy on the offense. Like Fangio said that in multiple occasions. Like Fangio won't even tell him what plays to run even if he feels like it's the wrong play he doesn't stand in the way like he's he is really given full autonomy to pat sherman i honestly thought that that would be like his scapegoat by now would be like hey look i gave you full autonomy i can fire you and nobody can say anything's my fault you know so that's why i'm honestly shocked that shermer is not fired i i there must be some type of a, a personal relationship there with fangio that Fangio is just adamantly against firing anybody. It's like, instead of being a head coach, he wants to be everybody's best friend. See, that's why I'm excited to see the, the new ownership come in, no matter who it is, if it's somebody I like or somebody I don't like. I want to see what they do with this front office coaching staff because yeah. I bet you that new owner comes in, uh, Peyton's not going to have the free reign like he had this offseason. I honestly, I honestly think Peyton needs to be given the autonomy that he has been given as a GM. I think all GMs need some level of autonomy. Like you can't be a professional GM and have somebody standing over your shoulder telling you yes and no to. And that's why when he was brought in, I always said he's got free reign. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. He gave he gave the reins over. Like a lot of people think that Elway's standing over his shoulder. Elway doesn't want that. He wants the job he has, the cushy job sitting in a just sitting in his office up where he can't be blamed for anything. <laughs> exactly. He's just there. The only thing he he's there for is to hire and fire. That's essentially he just has power to, you know, to wield around. And that's all essentially it's kind of like a mini ownership role. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, except for all the except for all the big money stuff, he's just there to say who's there and who's not. Yeah, he just runs the football side. Joe Ellis runs the business side. He runs the football. And he's side. he's quitting after this season. Uh, yeah, I mean Joe Ellis is going to be gone because, and that's why I'm saying like everybody's like, oh, they might not. They they are selling. Joe Ellis is done. Joe Ellis is done running this. And team. he was Bullen's man. Yeah. And he's and he's getting all of the heat right now. And it's not really his fault. He's just been doing what Pat Bolin wanted him to do. And the board. Yeah, and the board. And so he's just trying to get he just wants this to be over with. He's like, I have done been dealing with these prima donna rich kids squabbling over daddy's billions and dealing with these crazy rabid fans that keep yelling at me like I control something on the football side when, again, he doesn't. He just business. handles the business yeah. side. So he's like, you know what? I'm done. I just want out. And so, and that's like, the disappointing side to see that on um, the Boland family of them fighting over it because there's the, it really is. the three kids from each marriage. Yep. Three and, kids from the first marriage and three from the second one fighting each other over stupidity. And, and what makes it even worse is uh, Annabelle has to go through all that with Alzheimer's. Right. Oh, man. I, like, not enough people have talked about that. Like, could you imagine, like, you, your husband's dead, and now your kids are fighting with his baby mama's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, and, like, you you ain't even all there to begin with. And at what point do oh you, which, at one point do you say which kids have the say and which don't? Right. And, like, and, like, who is it that you put, and how do you do that? Like, as much as I don't like most of like at least the boy from the first marriage oh my god i can't stand that kid i mean i get it like that's still their dad I feel like, like the, the one i kind of like is still Brittany. yeah yeah the, the youngest of them all yeah <laughs> the last one came out the seemingly best like yeah i don't have anything to i really don't have much of anything to say about any of his kids from his second marriage but yeah his kids from his first marriage beth is just a prima donna diva. I can't stand her. The son is just a entitled, privileged little crap. What was it? The one at, at the Hall of Fame where he had a lip in on stage. Yeah. Yep, yep. There was that. Yeah, he was there with the lip, and then um, he's also the one that got pulled over in Oakland and started telling the police about how he was the lifeblood of Denver. Yeah. And his dad owned the Broncos. I was like, okay, if you were in Denver and got pulled over, I could see you trying to pull that card. You're, You're in Oakland. Oakland, dude. You're in Al Davis's city. They, they don't care. You. They hate yeah. your whole family. Why would you tell them that? I don't know how you're still alive. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you got shot, beat up, or tased. Right? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Outside, of, I mean, I guess daddy's a billionaire, so maybe that's what saved you. But even then, like, again, you're in Oakland, dude. What are you doing? You no, are the, the dumbest one, person I have ever known. The one thing is I really want to see with new ownership is I want them to come in and I want them to assert dominance, right? I want them to assert that this is whoever it is. This is my team my team i want to run it how i run it and i want them to, but the one thing i want to see them do other than that is i want them to be close with the team like pat bowen was and i'll like i'll even do an example as much as i hate al davis the man loved his team he loved everybody on his team just as much as pat bowen did yeah and i want them to come in and i want to see that i want them to be involved with everything i want them to be involved with the trainers the coaching staff the players everybody in his front office right but I need to clarify what you're saying because yeah. a lot of people are going to think that you're talking about like making uh, football decisions. No, no. That's what we're, ta we're talking about like what Pat Bullard did. He put the right people in positions to make the right decisions. And then he just had fun. He and just made ran sure his business. Yeah. He just made sure everybody was taken care of. Like he wasn't a meddler. Like he, he would just get the best people that he knew that could do the job. And then he let them do his job. He was the owner. 
The man loved his players and everybody on his staff. Yeah, he just he was the ambassador essentially. After he hired you, he was just your cheerleader. My favorite thing I, I saw about Pat Boland, it was after he went, like, after his all-timer started to really take over, was you could tell how much he cared for the team and his players. It was something I saw that every time he saw Rod Smith would come and visit him, how, like, the smile on his face would just get big. And not to get, he obviously loved his wife. Oh, nope. yeah. I don't want anybody twisting our words. And saying, <laughs> I don't know about the first he, one, but. He lo- well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking about the first one. We're talking yeah, about no, it's the joke. side. Like an Annabelle, yeah. One that was separate, you know, that they actually carried out the vows of until death do us part. That's the one we're talking about. <laughs> the first one, nobody really, I, I don't even I don't know. I don't even know her name. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Like, she kind of, I got to give her credit. She's been a lot better than her kids. She stayed out of the limelight and out yep. of the way. So I'll give her some credit, but she obviously created some action, some absolute gremlins. I'm sorry to say, but it's just the truth. But that's in the, oh yeah no you're good <laughs> talking about this back to this thursday night game before the game like i tweeted out this video and so if any of y'all have not seen it go to my twitter feed at underscore the answer is 42 I've barely been on twitter yeah no but the reason i bring this up is because i tweeted out a video of where it showed after the pressers on on uh two it was either tuesday or wednesday whenever teddy did his pre- his uh, presser with uh, the media he could not walk off the stage. He literally had to hop off on his good foot. So he has he had an ankle injury and a quad injury in the same leg. His plant leg, okay, it was his left leg, plant leg, the leg that he lands on every time he throws, okay? Why was this man starting? He could not walk, and yet he played the full 60 minutes of this game. Can you explain to me how that happened? I can't explain to you how that happened. I can't really – I don't know if I have much to even say on this topic in general because there's not much to talk about besides that he probably should not have played. I don't know how much how much the game – how much better the game would have gone if Drew started, whoever was on that field. It's it's just you got to pay attention to these injuries, and if he's sitting there hobbling, I, I don't think he should have played. Yeah, I don't see how a fully healthy Drew Locke scores less than 14 points just physically disabled man i mean again think about his quad muscle and his ankle what do you do think about a quarterback throwing think about a right-handed quarterback throwing. when you throw you land on your left foot and you twist and that's just that kind of brings up what we were talking about before we went on alex smith stuff yes it's I don't know how something didn't come back, like an injury didn't come back to hurt him, come back to I, bite him. I don't see how he's not hurt more. Like, there's no way you can tell me that that man took the beating that he did by Miles Garrett and company Whew. and came out better somehow. So all I want to say is Miles Garrett to Kyler Murray dirty with his Halloween decorations. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> so I got to say about Miles Garrett. Graveyard? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that is so great. So for those of you that don't know, the man created a QB graveyard in his front yard that has a tombstone for every quarterback that he has sacked so far this year. So it's it's pretty epic. It's actually pretty epic. I got to give credit to the man. I don't think I would have ever thought about something like that. So the fact that he was able to not only think about it, but execute it is absolutely just I know. Kiss. The only thing I think he did greater than that was just smack Kyle Rudolph in the head with a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the Rudolph Mason. Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Sorry, yeah, the no. memes. Yeah, I just got the memes. That, that everybody has is yeah. thinking about the right Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph is not the racist. That's supposed to be Mason. Yeah. No, dude, the the memes from that <laughs> were oh, always fantastic. And just, just the hit in general, the helmet flew off, the trash talking started, the man got his head bashed in with a helmet. It was perfect. Did you ever see the the, the one where they had like the indent? The dent in his, house, in his head, yeah. <laughs> that was the greatest. I love that one. I shared that one I don't know how many times. That was greatness right there. And That's I mean, what made me re-fall in love with Miles Garrett. Right. And I, I, I honestly, I have to go with Miles Garrett especially with the way that the NFL is covering up all the racism and misogyny and all that's going yeah. on at the Washington football team. I have to believe Garrett. And 
I mean, look at it. Nothing before that moment and literally nothing after. That man had to say something to Gary. For him to smack him in the damn head with a helmet. A hard-ass helmet to be precise. trying to kill him. Like, there's no way that... I mean, Miles Garrett took a punch from from a fan on the street and didn't retaliate. Dude punched him in the face and he laughed about it. So you cannot tell me that Mason didn't say something. Yeah, at least he didn't accidentally kill Mason Rudolph like Alec Baldwin did the other day with that one guy. Oh, man. Or one girl. That lady. Yeah, yeah that lady he oh, killed on set by accident. Yeah, the Brandon Lee. Oh, Dude, that was crazy. I saw somebody make a joke on Twitter. I'm like, what? Like, what's wrong with people? Why are we making jokes about jokes? Yeah, and then I, I, didn't, I didn't know what happened. I'm like, what are they talking about? And I looked up right. Alec Baldwin. And I go, oh, wow. <laughs> shot that poor woman right in the face with a prop gun like and you can't oh. tell me okay i this is quick i know we're gonna have to talk this is quick you can't tell me alec baldwin alec baldwin no you can't tell me alec baldwin knew the man did not no I, unless something else comes up all i know is that's not his fault no 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 it was just a horrible accident yeah they they grabbed the wrong as far as what i've got this isn't guaranteed just just doing some digging that they picked up the wrong gun off the cart. There was yep. two guns. One had live rounds for a different scene, and they grabbed the one with the live rounds instead of the one with the blank. Because there was another scene where they needed the real rounds, and they were going to like shoot off into the distance or something. Like they weren't shooting at the camera, yeah. but the one and the one they grabbed was the one that was supposed to be pointed right at the camera, which is what was happening. I and- know you got to be like Joker and label that prop gun and real gun. Bro, something, something. something. I don't know. Something. I don't, yeah. I, now I, let's get back. <laughs> yeah, let's get back. Let's not, let's go. I just had to make that reference. No, I got you 100%. But anyways, we'll go ahead and move on to the next subject is the fact that the Browns had both of their starting running backs out and committed to the run to the tune of 149 yards from Dearness Johnson, which averaged over six yards per carry. What has happened to this rush D? I don't know. Do you see... And everybody was praising this rush defense after week one, after shutting down Saquon, which I don't think was pretty hard to shut down Saquon coming back from an injury like that Yeah, first in week yeah. one. Yeah, no. And then you go up to the next week against the Jaguars, who don't really have a great running back. Same with the Jets. And then you go, and then finally, week four, you face Tear Ravens. Tear Ravens. Without their top, what, four? Running five, back. something like that, yeah. Four or five is like they, they had running backs dropping like flies. Dude, and that was – this season needs a damn documentary already. Something. I don't know what's go. I don't know what's in the water, but, I mean, especially with running backs. Like, yeah. I don't know maybe it's just like just what I've seen, but it seems like running backs are getting the shortest end of the stick lately. It's just and like, then you got Derrick Henry who has more rushing touchdowns than every team in the NFL this year. That man's not a human. That, no, that man is from outer space. The man <laughs> came. The man came from wherever Elon Musk came. Right. I, that man is not human. I, no, two hundred and fifty pound man. Should Six be running, five, running so, twenty but, miles an hour down the field, y'all. Murdering what? defensive backs left and right. Bro, he he's snatching people's manhood, souls, everything. All Dude, I won't be surprised if he goes back to back two K rushing guard seasons. I wouldn't either, especially at the weight that the rate that he's going. <laughs> Oh my good. That man is just he's just on another level. I The man deserves to be in the Life Hall of Fame. Bro. I mean, <laughs> it, it, if he goes back to back 2000s, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's the greatest running back of all time if that happens. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's the GOAT. It, he's it, already it, in the talks of being the GOAT. Yeah. I mean, tell me nobody's seen a per, a human that big that can move like that. It's not even just his top end speed. There's a lot of big people that can move like that when it comes to top end speed, but the wiggle, the the athleticism, the juke moves, bro. The strength of that yes. man. I mean, it's, he's just got everything. If that man was playing in the 90s, early 2000s, he's a fullback. He's not a halfback. He's a Madden creative player. He's Yeah, that's that's me play. going out there p- picking a uh making a, a a speed running back and then making him look like Derrick Henry. Exactly. He is a bad creative player. Like he has got everything that any coach could ever want in a running back. That's me making a kicker six, seven and 50 and like 500 pounds. Right. But <laughs> I don't mean, but we, 
but the Broncos have yet to face a running back like that. And yet here we are this week, a third string undrafted free agent has 150 yards by himself. And Mike Purcell was on the field. Like if he's not well enough to take on the, the two, the double and triple teams, he should not be on the field. Yeah. And, uh, the thing, uh, the the one takeaway I have from the defense in that game, or just the D line in general, is Shelby Harris again. The man just goes off, and the best hands in the league, in my opinion, still blocking that field goal again. And yet he's so gonna do much to stop the run. Shelby, all I do is swap balls, Harris. Oh, dude, he's great. Since he's been the Broncos, he's done like what five, six. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, Shelby Harris leads all defensive linemen in tip passes over the last three years the best hands in the league he's those stupid long monkey arms he's got dude like, he's got that warren sap effect in my opinion yeah the dude's already like six 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 seven and then he has the wingspan of like a seven foot person it's like you remember that billboard of anthony davis where it's like his arms are like all spread out with like five yeah. basketballs on each arm yep he's got those insane arms yeah that's that's essentially the length of arms that shelby has yeah. He has like six inches less in height. Like that just tells you how abnormally long this man's. What about. was it that that receiver, the the one that got drafted to the Eagles this year from Alabama? The one that won the Heisman? I forgot his name. Oh, Devonta Freeman. Yeah, Devonta that picture of Smith, my bad. Yeah, the picture of him on the sideline where his like arms are down to his knees. Right. Yeah. He's he's another one of those people that's just got that weird body. It's just like the arms are just abnormally long. But got those long arms. Yeah, but I mean, you see how they come in handy. But yeah. again, like Shelby was on the field, Draymond Jones was on the field, McTelvin Ajum, all these guys were on the field, and but yet they couldn't stop a nosebleed. The one thing I'm tired of seeing on this defense is watching those drop those back those linebackers drop into cover two every time. Yes, dropping back into coverage when they should be up front, getting in the face of that back. Right, like most of the time, you see them run the ball. They're into some coverage, or the backs got the linebackers have to drop back. Yeah, it's it's there's something about this team. Like I understand that Fangio runs a zone, and it's a match zone, and that sometimes a linebacker might get matched up over the middle with like a linebacker or a running back or a wide receiver, but that's only supposed to happen occasionally. For some reason, he's changed it up. And now we have outside linebackers chasing slot receivers down the sideline. Like, why is Fangio trying to fix something that wasn't broken? Like, his defense has been dominant no matter where he's been in the league, whether in college or the NFL. And then all of a sudden, these last three weeks, he's running different defenses. Like, again, you know. Okay. That brings us back to the point that you and I have talked about many of times off air and on air back, even back to our, when we were in school is the man is like the Wade Phillips effect. He is such a great coordinator, but something about being a head coach. Yeah. It's something about when that headset goes on and they got to talk to the whole team. Just something goes left. It's just like Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips was such a fantastic coordinator, but just yeah. it had no success as a head coach. Exactly. It's, it's for some reason, when they have that extra power, it's I don't know if it's overwhelming for them or what the case may be. Or they're focusing on one thing more than the other. Right. Or yeah, or they can't figure out what to focus on. So they're just constantly scatterbrained. And so everything just looks discombobulated because that's what it discombobulate. is. <laughs> discombobulate. Discombobulate. <laughs> I'll have to send you that video where it's just every time he goes for an attack, it's discombobulate. Nice. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, like, I don't understand. Like I said, the first three weeks, we saw the Fangio defense. We saw the match zones. We you, we saw that we saw Fangio. We saw the great man-to-man defense that he yeah. was praised for. Yeah, exactly. We, we were able to see him. He, he made the right calls. He made the right checks. And then Baltimore came in, and he completely changed that defense for one team. And that was – and. I could probably tell you what it was. It's probably him being scared of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but then, okay, that's fine. You change it for one week for one team. But then you keep it. But then you go back. Yeah. He hasn't went back. 
these last two weeks, it's been the same as the Baltimore game. It's been like he's trying to mix a bunch of other defenses with his defense in the middle of the season. Like there's enough practice reps in the week to completely change. Your and you know, you know, when you try new things, that's when you try new things is in the off season in training camp, OTAs. When you have time to install them. But he's doing it mid season. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand why you would go away from what what got you the job in the first place. The only reason you're on the sidelines as the head coach of the Broncos is because of the defenses that you created in Chicago, Saint, uh, New Orleans, etc. Like, I don't understand. I don't know if it's panic. He's like, okay, I got to try something different. I got to do something. And it's backfiring or what it is. I wish uh, I wish I could get some inside information to find out why, but yeah, it, we're not Sheffield. Yeah, we're not. Sheffer. I shouldn't use that as a reference anymore. Uh, we're not a uh, Rappaport. We're not, we're not Mason. We're not yeah. Andrew Mason. There we go. Um, or Rappaport works as well. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that Fangio has completely switched up his defense and changed it to something unrecognizable, I don't understand. Now that brings me into the point I really want to talk about because. My favorite player on the Broncos right now still getting underlooked and no reps in Javante Williams. Yeah, I definitely agree. I can't believe this man is not the starter yet. No, same here. I don't understand why this offense does not feature the Grim Reaper. Like the man is out snatching souls on every play. But the man carried five players on his back for like 15 yards. Like he, dude, Marlon Humphrey butt cheek prints are still. In my high stadium, like he drug a man for 20 yards on his back. And in this game, you give him four carries and six catches. Like, I understand you drafted him to be a third down back, but you got more than you paid for. So use it. Yeah. And like the man is like the bus. He's like Jerome Bettis in a way, but the man's the tank, in my opinion. Yes. The man is, he doesn't look big, right? The man's not that tall, not that big, but the man can hit. Yeah, the dude has – he is he is a solid mass of muscle. Ain't no Derrick Henry, but my God. Yeah, the dude is less than six foot tall and still weighs 230. Think about that. Less than six foot tall and weighs 230. Imagine how much muscle you got to put on a 5'10 frame to reach – 230 pounds you know that sounds like cj anderson like numbers but the man's got muscle instead yeah yeah he's not pudgy like yeah. anderson was I, oh anderson i love cj like i love cj don't get me wrong <laughs> cj was my guy but he was more like a bowling ball javante williams is more like a wrecking ball like, tasmanian devil like, yeah, he, oh wait that's a different guy uh roadrunner yeah. roadrunner road runner. <laughs> But no, Tasmania. I mean, he, the spin move Williams has. I I go with Tasmanian yeah. Devil the way that he just he just be throwing folks off him when he spins around and just running over linebackers, y'all. This man ain't just out here running over cornerbacks. He is running over linebackers. He is stiff arming linemen. Three running over linemen. Yes, running them over, stiff arming them, bro. Like the man needs to be the feature back. They. The season's over. Trade Gordon. Get what you can for him. Trade whoever you have any value for, and let's just blow this thing up. Let Javante Williams be the feature back. Let Drew Locke prove whether or not he's the guy. Let this offensive line do what they do best and run block. We need to be running the ball at least 30 times a game. At and least. that was our point last week. Yes, it was, but yet again, Teddy Bridgewater gets 33 freaking attempts to get 187 yards. Really? Really? On a windy day on top of it. Like, the wind was so bad, Brandon McManus was missing 30-yard field goals in warm-ups. But yet you have the physically deplete, physically harmed, a physically limited quarterback throwing the ball 33 times. Why? And you never had more than a 10-point deficit. They were never down by more than 10 points, and you're abandoning the running game in a bad-weather game. Like, what in the hell are you doing, Shermer? You know, the the more and more they lose, I can just tell the shorter and shorter these episodes keep getting. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's 
is something about it where I just don't have much to say about it. And all the stuff I do say about it isn't a lot. It's just, and oh. that's why like after the Javante Williams stuff, I don't have anything more to say about it other than what we said, because we've been saying it since week three. Yes. We have been screaming this. I've been screaming it since week one. My homeboy, that is true. My homeboy done came in here off rip in his first week and had the same thing to say. I was a big, I, that, that's where I became a big fan of him. I saw all his North Carolina stuff. Yes. The man was a monster in North Carolina, splitting reps, splitting reps, y'all. This and still going lit. into and then going into week one was insane. Week two, my God, even better. Yes, week three, just attacking every time, and he gets better as the game goes. Like he is the quintessential bell cow back. I've seen all these Melvin Gordon lovers even starting to say, "Yeah, wow, wow, how is he not the the main man?" Exactly, because tell me. Tell me one time you've seen anybody on the field arm tackle Javante Williams. You haven't. It hasn't happened. But you know what? Every single time that Melvin Gordon is tackled, it's a freaking arm tackle. The man can't break a single tackle. Ever. You know, the, every time I see Javante get down, he's either got to be hit hard, push out of bounds, or jersey tackled. Or or there's five or six or seven or eight guys on him. And even, I, don't know, I don't even know even then. <laughs> even then, he's still dragging folks. Like, the man can make a two-yard gain exciting. The man, <laughs> could make, the man could make, like, the two, like you said, the two-yard gain could turn into a 30-yard run, 30-yard play. On the next play. Like, outside of the one big run by Melvin Gordon, he has looked the exact same as he did last year. Besides the fumbling. Yeah, besides the fumbling. Again, give him credit. He hasn't yeah. fumbled it. But he still gets tackled by arm tackles. He's still getting caught from behind. And like I said, outside of that one run in week one, he that meant nothing. Showed anything. The in, the injuries of this team don't help at all. The injuries yeah. do not help. And the nice thing about the injuries is some of that the bugs starting to go away. We, Jerry Judy should be back for the Washington game. Yeah, they're definitely going to get some players back. But I mean, I, and. You can make all the excuses you want, man. Oh, definitely. I get that there's injuries. I get that there's some difficulties here and but there. But you got to find ways around it. Exactly. Great teams win regardless. And it's not like it was last year where it was a bunch of starters that went out. The only starters that are out indefinitely are Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, who are still middle-of-the-pack linebackers to begin with. It's not like they've lost a Sutton for the year or they lost a, a Javante Williams knock on wood for the year yeah, or, or something like that. They haven't even lost their starting quarterback who still went out there and hobbled around, which I still don't understand. Like the man is obviously hurt. Give Drew Locke a shot at halftime. Why did he come out with a helmet and warming up only for Teddy Bridgewater to take the field? Like, and you know, I have a feeling that Teddy had something to say about that. I honestly believe that Teddy is terrified if Drew Locke gets an extended look, he will never see the field again. And the thing in heading into next week with Washington, right, is I'm scared to play Washington because everybody's overlooking the team, the oh, Washington that football team. is the truth. Chase Young. Yes, Chase My God. Montez Sweat. I mean, up and – I'm going to go to the offense. The boy, Taylor Heineke, who is probably <laughs> my favorite player in the league this year, I do His like story, story is incredible. Of, I do like the story of Heineke. And the man almost won them a playoff game last year as a third string. Right. And oh, came oh. in, and he's just balled out since. Man's just balling out. And that's what we should Ooh. be – the Denver should be scared of next week is don't let that offense get that the opportunity that they the too many teams have been giving. Yeah. But then again, you're going up against a great defense. Sorry, like, I have to jump in because I just saw something from Ian Rappaport. Broncos remain interested in Deshaun Watson and looking to trade Kyle Fuller ahead of the NFL deadline. So it looks like everybody, they are not going to stand pat. It looks like Peyton is going to make at least some moves. So if for those of you that have been sitting here consternating, are the Broncos going to do anything at the deadline? Well, here you go. We oh, have, might have a blockbuster at the deadline. Because the Broncos are officially interested in Deshaun Watson. Man, but the the thing is, is if, if that man gets convicted or misses games, how much is how is that going to be a beneficial deal? That's 
that is the crux to position yeah to say the least you gotta risk it for something it's a big risk to get to sean watson it is but i mean honestly is I, the man on plea deals say, yet have they been making plea deals with no his cases he, he refuses because he is offered to settle out of court but they have to allow him to make everything public and the girls won't let him. So that's those are the things that make me question if it was real legitimacy yeah. of everything. Like I am not if anybody knows me knows I am not the misogynistic guy. I am not the guy that's like, oh, all these women are liars. No, I am part of I I was raised by women. I have no brothers, y'all. I I have nothing but sisters and I got five of them. OK, you can't tell me that I don't love women. I survived that household, y'all. He, he survived. And I, I mean, well, I have one older brother, so, you know, right. where I'm at. I had five sisters, all of them older than me, but one. It's I like the second youngest. It, it kind of brings up like you're, it's like the Cosby case where the first woman came in, you're like, eh, if that's real. And then 50 later. Right. Exactly. But the thing is. And, the, but because then they made it public. Yeah, but the that's the difference is, between that case and this case. They won't. Yeah, they won't make anything public here. They are. They want to hide even after getting their money. OK, that's the thing that gets me. They won't take the money because they don't want the world to know the truth. If you were really molested, if you were really raped, if you were really just sexually assaulted by this man way possible. Why do you not want him to make it public? Because that would look bad on him. Like, yes, I understand that, you know, victims don't want to relive their tragedies, etc. But especially, okay, especially nowadays in the age of cancel culture. Yes. Like, that's the thing that's got me worried is like, are these women taking advantage of the Me Too movement and the cancel culture that we have going on? Lots have. Yeah. So. Like, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I'm that, again, that guy that's just like, oh, I don't believe anybody. I do believe women. I am the first one to say it all needs to be fleshed out. It needs to be investigated. But we are, we are almost a year into this, people, and we have no information. No, except for the information that was out day the one. No bits of information that they let out to try and pressure him into a settlement. We don't have any real information. We have some accusations. We have some he said, she said. But we and have And that's why the risk can evidence. pay off. Yeah. And that yeah, exactly. That's why the risk could pay off. And that's why I don't I don't see it as a as big of a risk as most people do. And I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm naive. Maybe I'm misreading things, but I don't think I am. You so, know, most people have the same opinion we do with this. Yeah. From people I've talked to, it's like I mean, man, like if it's like, I don't want to be the guy that's going to be the victim blamer. Right. But like, I want to know what's happening. Like I kind of, if you're going to keep it under wraps, then I, w- I don't know how much of it's true. Yeah. I don't know how I can believe you if you can't tell me what the truth is. If the truth is the truth, then why can't you tell it to me? And then you get all these like big other, can- like the cancer cultures between like, like the Cosby stuff, which my God <laughs> was insane. And then you go to other things, all these people getting canceled. I'm like, not like really like athletes, more like famous people, like comedians and actors and such. Right. And then all those become public. Those people make it public. And you're like, okay, then I have, like, I believe you totally. If you're going to come out and make it public and all that, then definitely. But then if you're going to hide it like that. And I mean, this, this little tidbit from Ian Rappaport, I'll go ahead and read this quote for y'all real quick. Multiple teams are still interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. I know there was a report earlier in the week about the Dolphins, but they are not alone. Among the teams that have been discussed over the past several months, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Eagles, and some others, his legal situation is still, as of right now, unsettled. Still, of course, the civil and criminal allegations of sexual misconduct. I'm told there are still teams interested in trading for him, despite the fact that this is still unsettled. Watson also has a no trade clause. The belief is he would waive it for Miami. Unclear as of now what he would do for the others. So the fact that NFL teams are still interested makes me believe that they are going to try for the trade. If they had any inclination, they would have kept it under wraps until the until the trade was made. 
and I mean, also there is the, you know, the caveat of are the Dolphins, or I'm sorry, are the Texans trying to drum up interest and get a better package out of the Dolphins? But, you know, that sounds realistic nowadays. If you still had Bill O'Brien there, you would have given, would have given the Sean Watson away for like a Snickers bar or something. Yes, correct. <laughs> but, gave away to Ho- DeAndre Hopkins for right. Jack. Right. But the fact that Rappaport sitting here saying that multiple teams are still in makes me believe that I think I'm right and that there's not really anything to these allegations. It's just a matter of figuring out an amicable way to settle everything that makes everybody happy. It just because it's and especially it's even the teams that don't have Deshaun, that information is getting passed around the league, but it's not being passed around publicly. So these teams know more than any of us do with what's going on. And it also, another report, Deshaun Watson won't be deposed in civil lawsuits until after the 2021 football season. So actually getting him right now, I mean, it's obviously going to be some bad optics for certain people that want to believe that the women are all right and they can't be wrong. But you can actually play the man this year and not worry about whether or not he's going to miss going to happen yeah. because nothing's going to happen until after the season. Cause and the it, man's been working. He's still been working out training and it's, but he's just not playing cause he's holding out, which I mean, would you would probably hold out the Texas organization. I know I would too. I would too, especially after I believe that the, the owner had something to do with the whole allegation issue in the first place. I think I think he thought it would make Deshaun Watson stay and it backfired even further. And so he's already knee deep, so he might as well finish it off. And I mean, another thing that I want to make clear is that there have been no legal charges brought nope. against Watson. Everything is either under investigation for a year with no charges or they are a civil lawsuit. You know, and that starts to make me believe he doesn't like the massages like Robert Kraft does. <laughs> right. That's that's what makes me believe that the man is honest. Like, and he's admitted. I mean, he he's he's had just as many women come out in his defense as have come out against him. Yep. He's got twenty two women, and I mean, and that tells me that obviously the man was doing stupid things. Oh yeah, Every, and everybody's done stupid stuff. If you got nobody's perfect. Four women, exactly. Nobody's perfect, but I mean, and. And yeah. part of this is his own fault. He's the one that put out this I'm holier than thou kind of persona. Like, I'm a Christian. I love my mama. Shawn Michaels, WWE effect. Exactly. So he he created this persona. And then when his actual persona comes out, people that's why people were so shocked. That he loves the massages. Yeah. The, everybody <laughs> he was this wholesome, down-to-earth kid that, you know, he was a Christian and he was a virgin and a and then you find out he's out here getting hoes off of Instagram to come and give him massages and all. Give this him stuff. an old rug and tug. Yeah, give him an old rug and tug. And, and so I think that's, that's part of why so many people are so angry at him is because they had this false uh, picture of what he really was in real life. And he just kind of shattered that. Kind of like the Louis C.K. type. Yes, exactly. You know, so like it just kind of broke pe- it broke people in a way. So he's getting a lot more backlash than what he should. Because, again, oh, yeah. there are no criminal charges. They are all civil lawsuits. And, again, the women won't even settle the lawsuits unless they are allowed to keep everything private. So, all of and screams something. Should. At this point, it, it's just it's a. a oh, oh, I forgot the. I can't believe I forgot the term. It's everybody's holding out. Nobody wants to take the shot. Nobody wants to take the blame. The blame. I'm trying to remember the term for it. I can't believe it. it's like a ward type term. Oh, man, I can't think. Of oh, I'm blanking. I <laughs> had it in my mind. But anyways, I think it's a good time to go ahead and give our preview for the Washington football team. We won't forget that as we go on here moving forward. So we do have the Washington football team coming up. A lot of people want to talk about this being another one of the games that the Broncos should win. I think that's a bit of a trope and a misnomer. This is not a pushover Washington football team. They are well coached with a very well-respected coach. I love 
Ron Rivera. I think he is one of the best coaches in the league. And his story is great. Yes. And I mean, just not even to mention the story. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, just as a coach, the man is an absolutely amazing coach. I have yet to hear a single one of his players have a bad thing to say about the man. He is a player's coach and he knows what he's doing. Those Panther squads never lost because of bad coaching. They lost because of bad talent. Okay, so this team will be well coached, especially this defense. Ron Rivera defenses are always tough to play. And the man was part of the Bears. The Bears. Exactly. He was part of the Bears. He was part of that 85 squad. He was on that defense. Okay, guys, that is the level of defensive acumen this man has. Okay, he played alongside uh, Mike Singletary and those guys. So this is not a team to be taken lightly. So for all of you in Broncos country that want to be talking about, oh, this is a game that they should win. No, this is a game that they must win to have any chance of staying in this division, let alone this conference. But it is not a just pushover cupcake game. No, and I remembered my term, a Cold War. <laughs> oh, go ahead. It's a Cold War with the Sean in all the, where it's all talk and no action. Gotcha. Okay, now I got you. Yes, Cold War would have been the perfect analogy. Too bad you didn't remember it till now. I know. <laughs> anyway. You know, you know, we could edit that around. You know, we got posts. Exactly. But talking about this Washington, <laughs> yeah, defense. and it's like what I was talking about earlier. Not just, the defense is just fantastic. You yeah. know, Chase Young, Dante Sweat. Yeah, people are going to look at the stats because they are. 32nd in passing yards against, 19th in rushing yards against, 31st in total yards against, 30 anything points against. But it is not the defense's fault that happens. It's the fact that they have an absolutely anemic offense that leaves their defense out to dry. Oh, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, because that's what's happening in Dove Valley. Oh, and it's also what's happening happened in 2015. Yeah, yeah. I mean, defense I, just had to carry. Yeah, well, at least the defense was good enough to carry then. Yeah. I'm talking more about. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Where you couldn't carry a jock strap. Like, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane what's happened here. And but it's I mean, like I mean, they're letting the other team's offense go out there, you know, smoke a cigarette, you know, take their time. Yeah, allow an offense to get first down after stopping them after they got a first down, had a penalty, had it brought back, and then on third and twelve, allow that running back to get the first down just like they did last week this defense for the washington football team is not going to allow that and this team wants a win do you think chase young is gonna allow melvin gordon or javante williams to get to do that you're you're solemnly mistaken i mean you could be i mean it's possible uh but chase young's gonna get his too unlike (laughs) unlike the other guys like marlon humphrey and stuff like that He's going to get his. Like Chase Jamal, Young is Chase, an all-star player for a reason. Exactly. Chase is the Chase is the new version of Von Miller. For y'all to give Broncos country a perspective, he is as good now as Von Miller ever was, and he's bigger than Von Miller. And he's did it in his rookie season. Yeah, I mean the man's done it since day one. Same same thing with Von. Uh, who did it from day one, you know, outside of the injuries and all of that. And then the, but, the, the failed drug tests. All the stupidity, all the stupidity. Poor kid. I mean, thank God for DeMarcus Ware. That's all I can say. We never, we never would have gotten the Von Miller that we have all enjoyed over the last decade if it was not for DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware and Wade Phillips. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I got a DeMarcus Ware jersey hanging up for a reason. Nice, yes, yeah. Where DeMarcus Ware is a beast and and. Again, like I said, he's he's the one that held the defense together in 2015. He was the he was the heart and soul of that defense. And, and then even when he was injured during that season, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was up and down, I and mean, he was old, like a poor guy yeah. in his mid 30s. That's that's really old for a pass rusher. And then to even come back the year after and still put up numbers, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just to just to run home. Uh, this is going to be another ugly game as much as we all hated the Thursday night game and just how pathetic it was offensively be ready Broncos country. Cause it's going to happen again. The nice thing though, about playing the Thursday game is they have more time. 
yes, they got a week and a half to get to get it together. But we are playing on Halloween, so. And I think the take the that thing, with yeah, the thing to come to come with this game is, like you said, it's going to be an ugly game. It's not going to be perfect. Although we the that Denver has more time to prepare, Ramon Vera is going to is going to be there at the game plan. Yeah, the man's thinking ahead. Yeah, exactly. And there's no way that Teddy's healthy by then. Like a, a partially torn quad does not heal in a week and a half. A, a, a severely rolled, a severely sprained ankle does not heal in a week and a half. So they're, if they're going to leave, I mean, Teddy will be broken in this game. If Teddy starts this game, he will not finish it. This defense, that pass rush will break him. They will Ivan Drago him. If he dies, if he dies. He dies. <laughs> exactly. I but, must break you. I must break you. Yes. I mean, he is. They, He's got Mr. T that crap too. Yeah. For all of you that, you know, they're consternating and like, no, Drew, no, Drew, Drew sucks. Tell me how Teddy's been better. Honestly, I hear all y'all talking about, oh, Drew ain't no better. How is Teddy better? Six yeah. turnovers in seven quarters, people. That got Drew benched. Why doesn't it get Teddy benched? Yeah, I know. But I have my prediction ready. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and hit hear this prediction. Ready. Like we said, it's gonna it's not gonna be great. And that's why I'm gonna go 2017 victory Broncos. If if even. Oh, you're taking the Broncos again? I'll take I'll take Broncos on this one. And if they disappoint me this week, no, no, I'll, I'll cheer against them. That'll be your last week. I don't know. They hey hey. Hopefully that means if I go against them, they win. Hey, maybe maybe you know, but. You know, they made a fool of me on Thursday. I really, I really tried to be nice to you, Teddy Trolls. I even gave, I even said that he would lead them to a victory because even I, even I did not believe that Teddy could look that horrible against that defense. The man could not score 18 points to win a game against a defense that had given up 37 and 47 respectively in the two weeks prior. So I am sorry, but this Washington football team has a much, much better defense than that Cleveland team does. So like I said, Broncos country, buckle up. Things are only going to get worse before they get better. So be prepared. I am taking the Washington football team in the almost identical score to last week. I'm going to take them at 17-14 over the Broncos. We got pretty close. Yes, we did. So, yeah, again, sorry, Broncos country. You know I keep it real. I tried to be nice to y'all last week, and I got made a fool. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't shame myself. So there you go, Broncos country. Again, I picked the Washington football team to beat this listless, just pathetic Broncos squad, 17 to 14. Write it down come back at me if they win great but i just don't see it so yeah he's gonna rocky for it rocky's just gonna come back <laughs> right that that would be that would be my luck is that the week that i try to be honest and and stick true to my guns that they actually come out and do something i don't expect you're not not drive and block off yeah fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me i'm not you gotta, sure. you gotta go the bush way fool me once shame right. on you you fool me twice <laughs> it's, wait never uh, fool me again you're never gonna fool me again it's saying in tennessee and then it's in a j cole song it's amazing i know dude that was the greatest fool me once there fool me again yes fool me one time put the blame on <laughs> you <laughs> yes fool right. me three times but i can't say that line but yeah no, you're good. <laughs> I think everybody knows the song. Oh, yeah. I, I I don't know a person that I've met. Even my mom might even know that song. But song. I think that's a great place for us to end this here, guys. It has been another wonderful podcast here with my boy Dylan. Again, I am Dan Wettstein for the Answers 42 Network and Breaking Broncos Podcast with my co-host all right over there, Dylan Miles. Yeet. And always remember, don't question the blue.